to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning, church. Uh, it's an awesome time that we can actually be together like that, be in your Zoom chat or in your living room with your families. And I think we are all living in uh, interesting times and we may be feeling lots of different emotions and things. So let's just begin to allow the Lord to actually speak to us through His words. And I'm grateful that I get the privilege and the honor to be able to speak the Word of God this morning to encourage all of us. Um, I know that all of us are experiencing challenging times and like you, you know, I feel lots of emotions in this period of time. You know, it's kind of produced a sense of barrenness, you know, the, un- the inability to produce, the inability for us to, you know, to, to, uh, to put our hands to work and, and make things happen. And we feel uncomfortable. We feel this sense of a void in our life. We feel this sense of the confrontation of our lack. We feel unproductive. We feel vulnerable because the things that we used to hold on to, that we have confidence in, they are right now shaking before us. And uh, it's challenging. But I just want to also say that, you know, in light of the scriptures, it's not surprising. Uh, I think the author of Hebrew has put it out to all of us that he says that the earth will be shaking. In fact, I just want to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 to you guys. And it says, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this phrase, yet once more, indicates the remover of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order for the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And so he commanded us and says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe, for our God is an all-consuming fire. It's true. I think everything that happens around the world right now is impacting and is disruptive in a lot of areas of our life. It's uncomfortable, but it's not for no reason. And I believe that in everything that happens around the world, God is involved. He is not out of touch. He reigns supreme and sovereign. He is in control. And everything that is happening right now is for a purpose. And all I can think about, everything that God does, the purpose of Him doing things, whether it's seems good or seems horrible and is trying it's all unto the purpose of redemption and maturing a people for himself james chapter 1 verse 2 to verse 3 says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kind be it covid be it you know job security whatever that you're going through for you know that the testings of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effects and the effects to perfect us and complete us so that we can be lacking in nothing. And we also look at, we also saw the Hebrew, the author of Hebrew was testifying about the purpose that in the midst of all the shaking, we can actually respond in a manner that is, that is, uh, that is positive because we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The truth is this, though the world around us may be shaking, but what we have as a community of faith, as people who follow Jesus, who have put our hopes and our trust in Him, we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that is our anchor and that is our hope. We ought not to be surprised by the shaking. In fact, this shaking reveals things in our life that is for us to actually ask questions 
and realign ourselves to what actually God is doing in our lives right now. You know, perhaps, could it be possible that the Lord would want us to go through this season to actually just to embrace our humanity, our barrenness, you know, that recognizing that apart from God, we actually can do nothing. Apart from Him, we actually have no life. And the truth is, right now, we are living in our homes. We feel barren because all that we thought is life is now being stripped away. And all that we have left is that we just look at one another in our homes and we feel this sense of void. And perhaps this is a time where God is actually wanting us to recognize this sense of lack and barrenness so that He can produce something inside of us that we cannot. And I think God is all about producing gold in us, producing something that we cannot reproduce. And He's also inviting us to actually take this season to lean in, to lean closer, to go through the process of formation and refining with our families so that He can actually remove the things in our lives, in our hearts that hinders us from loving Him rightly and to love the people around us rightly. And what if this is a time where it's not about us trying to just barely make it through or we're just waiting for this COVID to pass? What if this is a time where God actually wants to cultivate in us a heart that will burn in the midst of darkness, that we will not be offended, but we actually comes out from this season stronger, not in our own strength, but leaning on our beloved. You know, talking about burning hearts, um, I know that I lead this thing called Burning Hearts, but you know, the whole term of Burning Hearts comes from a text uh, from the scripture. And today I just want to just go on a journey with all of us to walk together with the disciples on the road to Emmaus and, and just kind of like to go through that journey and just to witness how Jesus brought two disciples who were in a place of despair and hopelessness and through his perfect leadership, led them into a place where their hearts begin to burn with the zeal and not only that, but comes out joyful in the midst of, you know, all the, the difficult, challenging season. If you can, just turn your Bible with me to Luke chapter 24. And let's just kind of like, you know, go on a journey with these two disciples. You know, I, I'm not going to read the whole chunk because it's really long. If you have time, take time to read this with your family. In fact, it's a good opportunity for us to have conversation and read the Bible together in our homes. Uh, but I just want to give a little bit of a context of uh, uh, how, what happened in this uh, passage of Scripture. You know, the disciples were really shaken by the death of Jesus. You know, they were so disappointed because they thought that Jesus would come as the Messiah to overthrow the Roman Empire and to liberate you know, the, the nation of Israel to a place of freedom, to a place of um, just removing the oppression of the Roman Empire upon the people of Israel. And the disappointment was, really, was so great that they became a bunch of skeptics even when two women came back to testify the tomb is empty, even to have energetic encounters and reminding them of the words in the scriptures and the words of Jesus that on the third day, Jesus is going to be raised from the dead. They could not receive those words. They were like confused. They were deluded. They were in a place where they are just skeptical. And you know, sometimes the truth is, you know, in this time, they were just, uh, in, our, in, in difficult times, we will just get overwhelmed by all these emotions and we could not see things clearly. And they left Jerusalem, going back home, you know, kind of like resigned to fate that their Messiah is gone, he's dead. And they left the Jerusalem sad. 
But the interesting thing about this journey was this, that on the way towards their home, to the road to Emmaus, something profound happened. They encountered a stranger that's actually not a stranger, but it's a person that they long for dearly. And I, and I believe that through this passage, I just want to give three points for all of us today. And because I just want to say that this journey of Emmaus, the disciples did nothing except to bring Jesus along the journey, just simply open their hearts to go on a journey with this stranger that they could not see clearly. And through this time of that seven miles journey, Jesus actually opened up three things in their life that actually transformed them from a place of despair to a place where their hearts begin to burn and out of that whole experience, joy begin to break out in the midst of darkness. I just want to read from verse 13 of uh, Luke chapter 24 all the way to verse 26. And let's just read the Bible together. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you will walk? And they stood still, looking really sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered Jesus, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What thing? And they said to Jesus, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deeds and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priest and ruler delivered him up to condemn to death and crucify him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these, these things had happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and they, were, and, they, and they did not find his body. They came back saying that they had even had a, a vision of an angel who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And Jesus said to them, O oh, foolish one, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophet had spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them all the scriptures the things concerning himself so they drew near to a village which they were going he acted as though he was going further but they urged him strongly saying stay with us for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent so he went in to stay with them and when Jesus was at the table with them he took the bread and blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. You know, the first thing that Jesus did in this entire journey, that I believe that through his perfect leadership, was he, Jesus actually opened their eyes to see him clearly in times of darkness. In fact, I believe that this is what Jesus wants us to do in this time of uncertainty, that He actually wants to open our eyes to see Him clearly in these times. You see, as you begin to look at scriptures, Jesus was actually present with them and He was near. He wasn't far away in these dark times. And the fact is this, these disciples could see Jesus, but they could not recognize, us, recognize Him. 
And the, the thing is this about we human beings, right? You know, when our soul is overwhelmed by darkness, you know, by the darkness around us, we tend to see Jesus dimly. We fail to see him rightly during these challenging times. We might be familiar with the God in a, in a certain way of, of living in our world, but when the circumstances begin to change to a place where we feel unfamiliar, you know, we get thrown off and we get confused. We could not see Jesus clearly anymore. Though he's with us, but we could not recognize him. And the truth is this, friends, circumstances don't define God. His greatness and his ability is not subjected to the magnitude of our problem, not even COVID. The problem lies with our vision of God. We can't see him rightly because we have a higher view of our problems and our challenges more than the reality of the higher view of God in the actual fact, in the reality of who he really is. God is great. He does not change. Our problem compared to the greatness of God is really small. In fact, in Psalms 29 verse 10 to 11 says that the Lord sits and throne over the floods. He sits and throne as king forever. May the Lord give, us, give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Friends, I just want to say the death, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus still stands today. It did not change. It, is, it has left a den in the human history. When everything around us shakes, God remains the same. He never changed. He stands alive right now in heaven at the right hand of the Father, making intercession to uphold our faith. He's the only constant in our life that will never change. When things shake, our world changes, economy changes, you know, the things that we hold on to that used to give us comfort no longer brings us comfort. But I just want to say this, friends, Jesus never changed. He is the constant in our life. And the only way to remain unshakable is to have our eyes lock on him and have him unveil our eyes to see his greatness and his worth rightly. And I just want to say Jesus actually show us and, and, and reveal to us how he does that for the disciples. This is what he did. He broke bread. He took communion with the disciples. And the only, it was only until Jesus broke bread, their eyes were opened to see him. The whole essence of communion is basically remembering. Not just remembering, also reminding us. Not just reminding us, it also helped us to remain in the reality of truth. Jesus, when we, took, when we take communion, we remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross, it anchors our hearts on the finished work of Christ. It's immovable. It is finished. It is done deal in a human history. Not only that, but it, when we break bread, it also reminds us of the hope that we have in what He has promised, what He said that He will do in the coming future. He says that He's going to make every wrong things right when He returns. And that is something that we need to remind ourselves. This is not the finality of the story of our lives. There is a greater hope that we have in Christ, in His coming. And you know what? With the faith of anchoring the hope that we have in, 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 the, in the faith that we have in Jesus on the cross, with the hope that we have of His coming, we can actually remain confident in this time to be steadfast in our love towards Him and the people around us. When we break bread in communion, we are remembering what Christ has done for us and to remind us what He's going to do so that we can actually remain in this place to be steadfast in our love towards Him and towards one another. 
And friends, I just want to say this. There is something very powerful in breaking bread. Every time when you do it, you actually put yourself in a place where you realign your gaze to remember what Jesus has done and what He has promised that He's going to do and is coming so that you can actually remain confident in His love to be that faithful witness. And I just want to encourage, even as we begin to stay in our homes, let's invite Jesus to our table and break bread together and believe that Christ can unveil our eyes to see Him rightly. The second thing that Jesus wants to do for us in this time is to open His Word to consume us with His will. I just want to read from verse 25 to verse 27, all right? And He said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophet has spoken, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? And from the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And then in verse 30 to verse 32, this is what he says. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. And in verse 44, this is what Jesus said to the disciples. And he said to them, these are my words that I've spoke, spoken to you while, while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And I just want to say that the second thing that Jesus did for the disciples was to open the word and then consume them with his will. You know, we kind of like look through the whole, you know, scenario where the disciples were so overwhelmed by the whole situation and Jesus was actually calling them foolish, slow of heart, in the way they respond to the words and the prophets, to all that God has actually spoken in His Word. And in that seven-mile journey, Jesus actually opened up the Scriptures to them from the book of Moses to Psalms and to the prophet, revealing the will of God concerning Jesus. I just want to make a point, right? Sometimes in our life, we like to look at the Scriptures, you know, from peace, you know, from kind of like a little bit here, a little bit there. But there's something very profound here. When Jesus was walking on a journey with them, Jesus did not just highlight a few Scriptures, to emphasize a point. Instead, he brought the two disciples through the entire narrative of the word and reveals to them the will of God from the beginning of time to the end of the age. And what he was trying to do was to realign them from a secular and a societal and a factual narrative to a biblical narrative that was written in his word. He actually confronted them by calling them foolish and slow to heart. Uh, for embracing what is happening around the world and what the world tells them, what the society tells them, or what the facts tells them, instead of embracing everything that the prophets and the scriptures says about the will of God. You know, we live in a time and age in, this, in, in a world where the level of accessibility to information, to knowledge, and the connectivity that we have, unknowingly, we have, find out, we have found ourselves being led and consumed by the narrative of the world. We read news all the time. We need, read like social media pages, you know, articles of varying opinions of things. And most of the time, we have been shaped by the narrative of what the world is throwing at us and, and what the world has presented to us. And we find wisdom from, this, from the world a lot of times. And sometimes we find them more appealing than the wisdom of God that seems to be foolishness to us. And you know, simply because sometimes the word of God doesn't feel very logical, you know, it's so intangible, it feels like it's too high up there. But I just want to say this one thing, all right, um, to encourage us at the same time to plumb line us. 
Um, the only reason why some of us, we are feeling so shaken by what's happening around the world right now, by this challenging season, is simply because the narrative of the world has failed us. And some of us feel like God has also failed us because we have actually thrown and imposed the narrative of this world on God and thinking that this is actually what He wants us to live, how He wants us to live, whereas He actually has given us the scriptures and He's actually trying to point us to how He has ordained a narrative for us through the Word. But the challenge of us is this, that we consume more from what the world tells us than what the scriptures have to say. And that is why Jesus would have to rebuke the disciples because on the road to Emmaus, they were so consumed by the narrative of the world. Jesus is dead, but they have forgotten the scriptures and the promise of the words of Jesus. And Jesus had to rebuke them and plumb line them. And he actually bring them through from Genesis, you know, all the way to the book of the prophets and to unpack the scriptures to show them the will of God. And at the end of the whole journey, we, we saw that the disciples were there in their living rooms as Jesus broke the bread. And then they begin to see Jesus. And not only that, but they begin to feel this unusual burning in their hearts. And somehow they felt the burning heart of God for their heart, for their lives. And they were going through an encounter. I just want to say, friends, the good news is this, that the same way that Jesus would open up the word from the scriptures from the beginning of time to the end, to the disciples, it's the same way that he wants to open it up for us. It is not something that is impossible. We don't have to just rely on theologians, but I believe the reason why Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit is so that he can be our teacher, he can be our helper to illuminate our eyes to see Jesus through the scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29 says that it's not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. See, I feel like the Lord is actually looking for people who will actually allow the word of God to consume them and letting it become flesh in us. He wants to bring us to a place where we will be able to say that I delight to do the will. Because sometimes whatever that the Bible says is challenging, and we have to wrestle through because it's not to our natural comfort to embrace them. But that is the point. The Bible ought to shape us and refine us until we become one with the will of the Father. Remember Jesus. Jesus was crushed by God the Father himself. And he, in that garden, he says, not my will, but yours be done. There was, some, there was something profound in that place where we have to wrestle through things in our lives with the will of God. That seems to be challenging and hard, but that is the very thing that God wants us to go through because those moments of crushing is not lead us to a place of death, but glory. Jesus was crushed, but at the end of the story is that he was being raised into glory. And sometimes in our life, for us to go through this season and to understand the will of God, He actually wants us to go through this season to wrestle through so that we can come to a place where we can say to God and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Though everything around us may be shaking, but I know that at the end of the day, you have prepared for me a glory. This momentary of affliction cannot be compared to the eternal weight of glory that you have prepared for us. And I just want to come to a landing to a last point. And I think one of the things that the Lord wants to do for us in this time, not just to open our eyes to see Him clearly, not just to open our eyes, not just to open the Scriptures to us, but He also wants to open our mind to understand His Word, to reframe our reality 
to be his witnesses. In verse 44, Luke chapter 20, um, 24, this is what ha- it happens to be the time where Jesus appeared to his disciples. They were all fearful and they were afraid, you know, despite the fact that they saw Jesus, he vanished and they had a moment of burning hearts. And, and somehow when Jesus reappeared again, they were all fearful and afraid. They were thinking, it's a ghost. But then at this point of time, what Jesus did for them was this. He came to them, you know, he reminded them of the scriptures again, but what he did was to open up their mind to understand. And this, he said that he opened their mind in verse 45 to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Before Jesus opened their mind to understand, they were frightened. But after Jesus opened their mind to understand his word, their responses changed to great joy and worship. You see, when Jesus opened their mind to the scriptures, there was a shift that came into their reality. This shift of reality led to a transformation in the way they live and respond to their world. Their external world remains the same, but their internal reality was reframed and the way they see the world changes at that moment. To have Jesus open our eyes to see clearly and open the scriptures to consume us with the will without him opening our mind to understand, that won't be able to produce a witness. We, are great, we want him to open our eyes to fill us with the knowledge of God. We want him to open our ability to see the scriptures to fill us with the knowledge of his will. But without him opening our mind to understand, we cannot produce that witness. I kind of I like the whole idea of uh, taking an analogy of um, a computer. We can put all the data and the knowledge and the great information that can transform the world into a computer system and it will remain there. There are knowledge, there are you know, materials, there are, there are information for us to see, but if it remains in a computer, it cannot do anything. It won't change the world until someone begin to pull out those information, those details and data and begin to translate it into their lives and begin to put them into an expression called action, then that will, that will begin to change the world. This was exactly what happened to the disciples. They had a glimpse of Jesus' reality of being alive. They had, an, they had a little bit, they had the knowledge of this is what the Lord has promised in His Word, but it was in that moment when they begin to understand all of a sudden, their internal reality shifted and then they begin to respond and live a life that changes in a very dramatic way. And I just want to say that, you know, we need the Lord to open our mind to understand. You know, one of my leaders in Burning Hearts communities once said this and has left a deep impression on my heart in the way I relate to, you know, knowing God and doing His will. And she quoted this, Beholding acquires knowledge, Becoming requires action. We can behold God. I have sat in the prayer room for the last seven years to behold beauty, to let the word of God show me and define and give me, understand, give me knowledge of the beauty and the will of God. But until I begin to take them and allow it to reframe my mind and allow the Lord to begin to give me understanding and translate it into actions, it's not going to produce any transformation in our world. And I believe this is what the Lord wants us to do. He wants to give us understanding so that it can translate it into an expression of the manner of our living. Um, there's a phrase that I would say that, that Jesus used to describe John that can encapsulate this point. And Jesus actually made a comment about John the Baptist. 
in John chapter 5, verse 35, he said to John, he said of John as this, he was a burning and a shining lamb, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. You see, people actually go to travel hours to go to the wilderness to just to listen to this man speak and hear what he has to say, not just in his words, but also in the way he lived. He is peculiar. But I just want to say that the reason why people travel all the way to look at John's life and to hear his words is simply because of this. John was burning on the inside and he was shining on the outside. If there's no light emanating out from his burning hearts, no one will actually go and see what this man is burning about. And I feel like this is a time where the Lord wants to do something in our lives to begin to translate and all that we have acquired and know through seeing Jesus rightly and to know His will and allowing Him to give us understanding so that it can be expressed through the manner of our living and become a witness in this world. You see, the people can reject our theology, but they cannot reject your life. The only way they can reject your life is by killing you, and that is the whole reason why Jesus was crucified. And I want to say this, when you live out the Word of God and the Word become flesh, that in itself is a testimony and a witness that no one can take away from this world. Even if they kill you, at the end of the age, you are going to be raised from the dead, and then the Lord is going to vindicate you. And I just want to say that there is great hope in this time that we are living in. In fact, in fact I feel hopeful because I feel like the Lord is actually inviting us to a place where we can no longer just kind of churn things out in our lives, but we actually allow Him to come into our lives, to go on a journey with us, to produce something that only He can. Only Jesus can open our eyes. Only Jesus can open up the Scriptures to us. Only Jesus can open up our mind to understand. And the only thing we can do is to invite Him into this time of our lives, into our challenges, into the vulnerable part of our hearts, into our families, into our homes, and just allow ourselves to just put ourselves before Him and say, God, come and help us. You know, just in conclusion, the road to have a burning heart, you know, really is not something that we can produce in ourselves, but only Jesus can walk us into this journey of burning hearts. And I just want to say that even when the world shakes, we can remain unshaken. And I want to strongly encourage all of us to use this time, to use every opportunity and the platform that the church is giving to us to really to contend for these three realities to happen in our lives. Unless the Lord do this for us, we will always be swaying by what's happening around us. And I want to say this one last thing. You know, when we come to the, a point where we cannot do anything and knowing that only Jesus can do these things, the only thing we can do really is pray. And this feels weak, but that's exactly what the Lord wants. He wants us to come to a place where we could just simply cry out to Him so that this cry will produce a voice within our spirit that will begin to translate it into the world. And this is the story of Hannah, who was barren, and out from that barrenness comes of a cry that produces a son called Samuel that became a voice. Likewise, it's the story of Elizabeth, who was barren. She was in a place where she could no longer do anything but simply to cry out to God. And out from her cry, begin to produce a voice called John the Baptist. Perhaps the Lord is bringing us through this journey where He wants us to cry out to Him, to do what only He can do, so that He can produce a voice in the church in this hour 
as we transit into a world of uncertainty. So I just want to encourage all of us to take the next one week to pray for your families, to ask the Lord to open your eyes, to open the scriptures to you, and to open your mind to understand. So I just want to close this time in prayer. And even as we are going to be taking communions later, I just want you to just prepare your heart as we begin to take communion later, as Pastor Andre begins to lead us. Don't just take it flippantly. Just take this opportunity and say, God, the same way that you broke bread with the two disciples and you opened their eyes, will you do it for us today in our families? Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your invitation. God, we thank you that in all that you do is not to lead us to a place of destruction, but you have a goal in in mind, is to bring forth redemption and perfection. And God, even in this time, we just want to let go of our ability to produce and to embrace our barrenness, embrace that, that reality of our humanity that if, apart from you, we can do nothing. And as we begin to lean into you and say, God, come and journey with us, even in this time, to open our eyes, to open the scriptures to us, to know your will, and to open our, our understanding, our mind to understand so that we can actually become a witness of you in this time that we are living in. God, we pray, will you raise up burning and shining lamps in this hour across the churches, especially in the city church, in our homes and in our families. God, more than just, you know, uh, just going through and closing through this time of COVID-19 in our own, you know, um, at home and just waiting for this thing to be lifted. Father, will you give us the tenacity to press in, in this time, for you to form something in us, only you can. So God, we just thank you for every single one that is in this season. And I just pray that you will begin to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.